Welcome to Swimming Upstream, the podcast about Catholicism, technology, culture, baseball, and whatever else might come up. I'm your host, Eric Sammons. Hello and welcome. It's been a few weeks since I've done one of these recordings, but I thought I'd do another one now. The past few weeks have been a little crazy for uh, me and my family. Been out of town a little bit, had a few trips to the hospital, although everybody's okay now. And I uh, just thought I'd come back to it with a, another uh, episode here. And what I want to talk about today is a controversy that I think I stirred up uh, recently with an article I wrote. I wrote an article recently called Why I'm Through Being Pro-Life. And obviously a provocative title like that's going to cause some people to turn, to turn their head and to, and to pay attention. And basically the premise of the article was my frustration with the term pro-life being bantied about very often and for just about anything. And you heard it so much from Catholics saying, this is a pro-life issue, this is a pro-life issue, or, or why is a pro-life issue, or whatever the case may be. Everything became a pro-life issue. And it didn't, it was, you know, had to do with immigration, had to do with health care, had to do with the environment, you know, had to do um, one place even with uh, LGBT rights. Everything was a pro-life issue. And I took exception to that because I felt like what these people were really saying is, if you don't support my policy position on this issue, then you're not really pro-life. If you don't support, for example, open borders then on immigration, then you're not pro-life. If you don't support uh, universal health care, i.e. Obamacare, or even more so than Obamacare, maybe just government-run health care, then you're not pro-life. And so, I, you know, I expected to, that was the premise of my article, I expected to get a little bit of pushback from it. I thought it would be more from pro-lifers, dedicated pro-lifers saying we can't give up the term, we have to continue using it, which I understand and I, 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 I get that. It's a practical, prudential decision um, whether or not you want to give up the term to those who are abusing it or if you want to keep using it and try to keep it in its proper context. However, what I wasn't expecting, but I shouldn't be that surprised with, is how many people attacked me for basically going against church teaching for going against the church. In fact, one person even called me anti-Catholic. They basically said, because I'm not supporting these various programs that they, they endorse, then therefore I'm going against the church teaching, because these are Catholic positions that they hold, and so if you don't hold them, you're not Catholic. One even said I was anti-Catholic for being like this. And I think there were some, maybe some people were legitimately unsure of what I meant, but I think oftentimes it was people not even really uh, engaging my argument. Because I never said that you shouldn't care for the poor. I never said that you shouldn't care and welcome the immigrant. I never said we shouldn't ha do everything we can to have health care for everyone. I never said that we shouldn't protect the environment. What I specifically said was that specific ideas of how to do those things didn't make, endorsing those positions didn't make you pro-life, and that anybody who went against those positions were no longer pro-life. Now, I understand you know, the argument a lot of people make is that being pro-life means embracing the totality of life, embracing life from conception till natural death. And a lot of people, what they did was they argued for, from Evangelium Vitae, from Pope John Paul II, that in Evangelium Vitae, he talks about this culture of life in which we protect life from conception to natural death, and we do everything to make it a worthwhile life, a life that is uh, in keeping with human dignity. And 
hey, I'm on board with that. I don't reject Evangelium Vitae at all. I don't reject the point that, that Pope John Paul II was making there. He was making the point we need to have a cultural life. Amen. We do need a cultural life. I was referring specifically to the American term pro-life, which I don't believe JP2 ever used that term. He was talking about cultural life. What I'm talking about is the actual American term pro-life to talk about uh, certain political positions, certain moral positions. So I'm talking a very practical thing. I'm not talking about that. But again, people kept on saying to me that, oh, you're not really Catholic anymore because you're rejecting the care for the poor, care for the, welcoming the immigrant, care for the environment, uh, universal, you know, uh, the right to health care, things of that nature. I would say that's, that's ridiculous. That's nonsense. What does it mean for a Catholic, though, I think this is the important point, to say we help the poor, that we welcome the immigrant, that we endorse you know, health care, the right to health care, that we want to help uh, the environment? What does that mean? And what it means is we actually do things to make those things happen. It doesn't mean just good intentions. Here's the problem often that the left has is that they equate good intentions with good results. As long as you have good intentions, then you, you don't care about the results anymore. In fact, if there aren't good results, then you keep on doing the same thing even more because you have these great intentions. So people feel good about themselves saying, hey, I am for universal health care. Obviously, look how much I love sick people. Or, hey, I am for government welfare programs. Look how much I care for the poor. Or I am completely on board with Obamacare and universal health care for all paid for by the government. Look how much I, I care about that. All these things, they're not, they're not, they're not uh, it's, it's not logical. Just to say you care about these things doesn't mean you have the solution to them. And that, in fact, you could have good intentions on something, yet what happens could end up being worse off for the people you're trying to help. Let me give an example that actually happened uh, recently, why I, I kind of reject government programs as the line of first defense, the first thing we should go to to try to help people. Back in the 1970s, uh, there was a push, there was a, there was a big fear of um, heart disease and things of that nature. So there was a big foot push made by uh, George McGovern, actually. He, had a, he led a subcommittee in the government, federal government, and he issued these dietary guidelines. And it stated what we're supposed to, you know, what Americans are supposed to eat. This is 1977, he issued these. And basically what happened was is there was a big debate going on in the scientific community about health care, about um, diet and how, what, what's best for us, what's not good for us to eat, things of that nature. Well, the subcommittee took one side of that and it said, here are the dietary guidelines that we all must follow. Well, ultimately what's happened, and, and a million studies have shown this, over the past you know, since 1977, obesity has skyrocketed in our country. Type 2 diabetes has skyrocketed in our country. And it's because of people following the dietary guidelines. Because dietary guidelines, you know, the, the famous food pyramid we all grew up with, those of us my age at least, is exactly inverted from what it should be. That's what science tells us now, that this idea of all these high-carbohydrate grains, you know, sugars, all this stuff, that you're supposed to eat most of that. Well, ultimately, that's actually bad for you. And so here's a, a case where the government, supposedly good intentions, although I think some of it is politicians grandstanding want to make themselves look good, they take a position on something, they use their, their authority and their power to make uh, some statement and try to influence how people act and how people are, and they're supposedly doing it for the good to help our health. And in the end, it backfires. It does the exact opposite. It actually hurts people. 
And that's just one example of a government program that does the exact opposite of the intention. And I would argue that many of the government programs that we have now, such as welfare, such as uh, Obamacare, those things actually harm the people they're supposed to help. So how is it as a Catholic, I'm, if, I, if I care about the poor and I think we should uh, help the poor, and I think that for very valid reasons, I th obviously, I think that welfare programs hurt the poor, then why am I supposed to endorse, why is it Catholic to endorse those programs when I believe, and I think it's very, I believe this very strongly, that they're actually going to hurt the poor? It makes no sense. Likewise with something like health care. You know, we, we talk about now this right to health care. And, you know, I know church documents have stated a right to health care. What does that mean? Does that mean that everybody has a right to, let's say I want uh, LASIK eye, eye, uh, eye surgery. Does that mean that I have a right to that and therefore I don't even have, let's say I don't have the money for it, that somebody, that the government should just supply that? Is that a right to health care? Most people say that's a ridiculous example, but it, it shows the point that not all quote-unquote health care is something that we all have a right to have for free. And likewise, if I just want, you know, regular, um, if I want other, excuse me, other cosmetic work done, maybe I want a tummy tuck or something like that. Is that, and, and hey, a tummy tuck would probably help, help my health. Does that mean I have a right to that and I have a right to have the government pay for that? Because remember, if the government's paying for it, somebody's paying for it other than the government, i.e. we're paying for it, taxpayers are. So as a taxpayer, is it right that somebody take money from me in order that, to force, force money from me, take money from me in order that somebody else can have something like that. Well, no, that's ridiculous. Now, likewise, when we have universal health care, what we find is it actually hurts health care. It makes it less innovative. It makes it less uh, able to, to help those in need. What we really need is we need an environment in which we have uh, you know, a free market environment. Look at most things that have a free market. Let's say, for example, computers. Computers have gone down in cost, and they've improved in quality over the years because they have a free market that allows that to happen because people, companies are incentivized. They see, okay, people want these computers. I'm going to make it better than the other guy. I'm going to make it cheaper than the other guy. I'm going to find ways to make it cheaper, so that, and, but yet better, so that I can make more money. You know, we, we demonize the idea of profit, but ultimately what's happening here is it's good for the consumer. Likewise, this applies to any industry, including healthcare. But what's happened is with healthcare is we simply are, are separating the doctor from the patient because we're putting a middleman in there. What we're saying, because what happens is most people don't pay the doctor for their services. They simply have health insurance or they have you know, Obamacare, whatever the case may be, that takes care of it. And then that pays the doctor. And so because there's no connection, the doctor has no incentive to do anything pro-consumer, i.e. the patient. He is trying to basically make the government the third, or the, the third party happy. And so what happens is you're separating the doctor from the patient. And we see in practice exactly what's happening. We see exactly what's happening here in that the, you know, most people, when they go to, to uh, the doctor or something like that, they don't even know how much it costs in the end. They just basically, their insurance takes care of it. 
But because of that, the doctor has no incentive to reduce cost. He has no incentive to compete with other doctors. Instead of having a marketplace where we know, okay, like for example, when I go to Amazon, the way I know something's a quality product, I see what other people are saying about it. I see the price of it, and I compare and I contrast. I pick the best one. The same thing could happen with doctors. I would know in my community, oh, this guy's been recommended by a lot of people. His prices are good. I'm going to go to him because I'm paying out of pocket for it instead of having the government take care of it. Now, obviously, if the government is um, paying for all these things, then none of that happens. Now, somebody might say, well, what if you don't have it in your pocket in order to pay for that? Well, first of all, you'd have more in your pocket because there'd be less taxes. And also, the employer could pay you directly instead of having to pay for, excuse me, the employer could pay, um, pays you directly in a higher salary because they don't have to pay all the expenses for health insurance. So these things, what happens is they make it so that health care actually becomes better for people. It makes it so that we actually have a stronger healthcare system, a cheaper healthcare system, a more innovative healthcare system. Instead of having this middleman, this bureaucrat who tells us in Washington, okay, well, this is what you need to do, this is what you need to do. I don't know about you, but I don't know how often basically doctors' decisions are based upon what some bureaucrat in Washington or in your state capital or wherever tells them what the best thing to do instead of what they know is the best thing to do. And so when that happens, healthcare gets worse. So that's just one example of where opposing something like Obamacare does not make you anti-Catholic. It's instead doing what the Catholic Church actually asks us to do. In these matters of politics and economics and, and ways we try to make our lives better, make our society better, the Church very much looks to the laity to use their human reason to figure out what is the best way to solve these problems. And so if we determine the best way to solve these problems is through, for example, a free market system, then it's not anti-Catholic, it's not going against the teachings of the church to endorse those. In fact, it's the exact opposite. What it's really doing is it is supporting the, the, true, uh, the true help of the poor, help, you know, better health care, all these things is actually happening. And so it's being a, a faithful Catholic when we use our human reason to figure out what the best way is. Now, I just want to make a point. If you endorse uh, government health care, for example, Obamacare, I'm not saying you're anti-Catholic either. I'm saying you're wrong, but I'm only saying you're wrong in a sense that I believe that that's not the best political solution, that's not the best, most efficient solution. I'm not doubting the fact that you possibly believe that because you think it helps those who are sick the best, and that's you know, the best Catholic solution. But that's the whole point is there isn't one Catholic position on this in which you have to endorse in order to be a good Catholic. So you're not anti-Catholic if you reject Obamacare. You're not anti-Catholic if you reject um, something like wel welfare systems. If you believe those things actually are, are contrary are counterintuitively contrary to what the intentions are behind them. And so I would just say, use your brain if you're a Catholic. You know, the principles the church puts out are necessary and required as a Catholic to, to believe. So, for example, we are required to help the poor. If we do not help the poor, we're going to hell. I mean, Jesus basically said that. If we do not care about and welcome the immigrant, then we're not being Catholic. But how we do those things, and like immigration, I'm not going to get into a whole debate about that. Immigration, the catechism itself states that we, you know, a country doesn't have to have open borders. 
that it can't have restrictions on who comes into a country that are reasonable, that it thinks for its well-being, for the well-being of its citizens. Now, what those uh, reasonable uh, restrictions are, that's for debate. That's for using our brain. And so that's why it's not anti-Catholic to say, hey, I think we should uh, you know, have a much more restrictive immigration policy. You might be wrong in, in, in your thinking, but you're not anti-Catholic. You're not going against the church's teaching. Where we really get muddled is the fact is we, we give like the bishops some superpower beyond their charism. The bishops have a, a certain authority and power in the church that comes to them from Jesus Christ as successors to the apostles. They are to lead us in faith and morals. They are to explain the faith to us. They are explain, explain morality to us and to, and to give us the principles that we are to live by. Those things are very true, and we should not deny those. However, that doesn't mean the bishops have some uh, charism in specific policy decisions. So if the bishops say, we need to, to support Obamacare because that gives everybody a right to Obamacare, as a Catholic, I am free to say, you're wrong, bishops, and I'm, I don't agree with you on that. And there's nothing uh, against the faith to do that. I'm not something I have to go to confession for doing that. And frankly, over the past, you know, in my lifetime, I'll just say that, the USCCB, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, they have mostly been a religious arm of the Democrat National Committee. They have basically endorsed every liberal uh, solution possible, every big government solution possible. Hey, and if you want to believe that, that's fine if you want to endorse those programs yourself. However, I think it's very inappropriate for the bishops to be doing that and acting like if you don't endorse these policies, you're not really Catholic, that the Catholic position is big government solutions. That's not the Catholic position. The Catholic position is we figure out, based upon our principles, the best way to apply those principles. So just to be clear... I am very much supportive of a, building a cultural life. I think being pro-life, we'll use that term right now, the American term, and being Catholic means that you support a cultural life. You defend the unborn against abortion. You defend the elderly and those infirmed uh, against euthanasia. And you also do things like you help the poor in your community. You do things like you, you uh, try to do what you can to help the sick and those who are, are suffering. You, you do your part in your own world to help the environment. You, you, you are good stewards of the environment. All these things are part of the culture of life. However, it doesn't mean that you have to endorse a specific policy way to do those things. And so let's try to be a little bit more clear on these things, and then we won't be throwing around anti-Catholic uh, you know, terms at each other and calling each other, oh, you're not anti-Catholic. Instead, we'll have an actual discussion of the best way, not the best intention, but the best way to build a cultural life. Okay, well, I think I'm going to finish it here. Um, until next time, keep swimming against the stream.